0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, reaction to reports of shocking conditions in Ontario nursing homes.
1: I was up all night thinking of this. The families that go in there, you know, and they they see their loved ones and they see this report. No, I, I get it. You know, it's heart-wrenching. You want to go in there and, and get your loved one and, and, and take them out and, and protect them.
0: The Chinese government warns of further damage to relations with Canada the B.C. judge prepares to release a decision on the extradition hearing for Meng Wanzhou.
2: We don't uh, need to apologize or explain for the decisions taken. Uh, by uh, our independent justice system. We have confidence in that system, in its independence.
0: And MPs vote to extend the suspension of Parliament until September.
1: There is a massive accountability issue that has to be dealt with here. You know, it's offering, shall we say, limited accountability is the only way I can think to describe it. With this hybrid session of Parliament or sittings of Parliament, in which all members can participate, but is really only supposed to deal with COVID-19.
0: It's Wednesday, May 27th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by author and op-ed columnist for The Chronicle Herald, Dan Legere. Dan, thank you for being with us. Hi, Mark. Let's start with the conditions in some Ontario nursing homes in the Toronto area. The military issued a report about this. The military, of course, was brought in to help in many uh, long-term care facilities in Ontario. And the report is incredibly Shocking, and I'm sure devastating to anybody who has a family member in one of these homes. Uh, really significant lapses in care, uh, which have been detailed in several media reports, and I'm not going to itemize them all now. But uh, I think this really illustrates the fear that many Canadians had that there was something wrong with what was happening in these facilities.
1: Uh, yeah, you you've put it really well. Um, you know. I think people feel there are problems in the long-term care system in Canada, if you can even call it a system, because it is quite different from province to province and private to public. But this report from the military is absolutely devastating. I mean, it's, it's sickening to read especially when you consider how vulnerable the people are who are involved in this and and the and the thing is mark the army shows up they don't have an axe to grind they are not political they don't have an agenda they just were sent in to do a job and uh from from my dealings with the military and the, the people like in that sort of field they're extremely professional and dedicated to the job number one and uh for them to turn around and in in the interest of uh of doing their job properly doing this report i mean it's it's absolutely devastating you can't call it political you can't ascribe an agenda to it it's purely in the public interest in the interest of the welfare of the people in these homes so this is a it's a monstrous scandal um and mark if the army got into Nursing homes across Canada, they would probably find similar things, and that's what really makes me feel sick today. That it's been revealed in, in Canada's largest province, but I bet you there's problems like that literally from coast to coast to coast.
0: Yeah, I think that's an important point uh, that uh, that these are not, uh, unfortunately, isolated incidents that that are are confined to one specific. Home or set of homes. Uh, this is this is likely a somewhat accurate sample, or within a range of behavior and and issues. Uh, there, this is likely a, a semi-accurate sample of what's going on elsewhere.
1: Yeah, that's the problem. And and you know, it's. Uh, I think we may have mentioned before. You know, these are all private, uh, privately owned co- homes. Uh, I mean, now there's already an outcry, and, and as we saw, Premier Ford yesterday was visibly upset, and he's vowing to move heaven and earth to get to the bottom of this. And I think there's going to be a public demand that owners and people involved in this who, who are responsible for this situation to be made accountable. But you know, it's it's private uh, healthcare homes or long-term care homes in Ontario that have been revealed in this report from the military. But in, say, here in Nova Scotia, the largest COVID-19 outbreak by far with the most deaths and the most infections was at a government-run long-term care uh, facility. So there's no magic solution by making it part of the government, obviously, uh, although some of the abuses in, in these places are really sickening and not likely would have happened in a sort of government or public service type environment.
0: All right, let's talk about what's expected today, the outcome of the hearing, the extradition hearing for Meng Wanzhou. Uh, There is a lot at stake here, obviously, and there are so many different angles to this story, because ultimately this is about the relationship between Canada and China moving forward, including perhaps the fate of two Canadians who have been imprisoned in China. So what do you expect and what do you think the fallout will be?
1: Well, I'm not sure what to expect because I'm not a legal expert in, in that sense. But, you know, I did see some tape yesterday of uh, Meng Wongju and her pals, friends and associates, uh, you know, standing on the steps of the courthouse in Vancouver and not socially distancing either, I must say. But, you know, with waving thumbs up and high fiving and stuff like that. So they obviously think they're going to win the case and that um, her extradition will uh, not take place. You know, I don't know, but uh, as you said, there are immense stakes in this that go well beyond just her case. As you alluded to, the two Canadians who've been held hostage by the Chinese uh, government uh, since shortly after the arrest of uh, Meng Wanzhou. Uh, there's Canada-Chinese trade relations, political relations, uh, multilateral relations on all t- different types of levels. And there's also the perception, Mark, that goes beyond the official level. And that's just the feeling a lot of us Canadians have is that, you know, the Chinese are pushing us around and we we don't have a good hill to die on. I mean, I don't think anyone in Canada is going to be affected one way or the other, whether Wang Chu, you know, what did she ever do to us type of thing, you know. And uh, so Canada is a, a very reluctant, unwilling bystander to this, and it's been dragged through the mill of this U.S. China rivalry, and um, it's not sustainable for Canada, and it's provided a lot of big problems for the Canadian government, not least of which are political.
0: Yeah, and the warning from the from the Chinese government to Canada about further damage to relations, depending on the outcome of this, uh, as, as Justin Trudeau has pointed out, the Chinese, at least in terms of, of their rhetoric, are not demonstrating any kind of knowledge of the independence of the judicial system in Canada, because this is not a decision the Canadian government is making, right?
1: No, uh, it's not. But, I mean, the initial decision to apprehend Meng Wanzhou in the airport in Vancouver back in December 18, uh, that was a a government decision. I mean, it was made under the the laws of Canada and under the extradition treaty with the U.S., I mean, it's a routine matter for anybody else except for Chinese billionaires. So, you know, this is really an extraordinary case. It's tested the independence of the Canadian judiciary, um, and it's brought a lot of heat down on the Trudeau government. I mean, you, you know, you have the Conservatives every day wanting to, I don't know, march down Wellington Street waving banners and burning Chinese flags. But, you know, it's quiet diplomacy is really the Canadian brand. And it's, But it's hard to do uh, when you have the bellicose Chinese and the mouthy Americans uh, butting heads over uh, their rivalry. And meanwhile, Canada just wants to get on with life in the middle of it. And it's it's been a terribly unfortunate thing, especially for those two men who are clearly uh, hostages of the Chinese government.
0: All right, let's turn to the debate that happened in Parliament yesterday that has led to the extension of the suspension of normal business in parliament until at least september so effectively this means that there will be sittings of this hybrid committee that has some people in the house of commons and some people on zoom uh uh, for the foreseeable future until the middle of june on coronavirus issues but we won't have regular sittings of parliament which has been the subject of a lot of back and forth between the government and the opposition parties for weeks now
1: yeah Right. And, you know, the government is saying this is an emergency and things are not normal. So therefore, normal parliament can't really go ahead uh, in the way we've always uh, you know, been accustomed to it. You know, the, there are serious issues of accountability that are being raised. The government is spending hundreds of billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars, uh, running a massive deficit and making decisions that are, that are dealing with the immediate crisis caused by the pandemic but that'll have repercussions that go on for years and years to come. So there is a massive accountability issue that has to be dealt with here. And, you know, it's offering, shall we say, limited accountability is the only way I can think to describe it Uh, with this hybrid, you know, uh, session of parliament or sittings of parliament in which all members can participate, but is really only supposed to deal with COVID-19. But, where that is kind of dominating everything about life and the economy, it's quite a broad subject. So, boy, historians are going to have a field day with this period.
0: Yeah. All right. Dan, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us today. Thank you.
1: Thanks for the call, Mark.
0: That's Dan Legere, author and op-ed columnist for The Chronicle Herald.
2: Canadian jobs and businesses depend on stable and productive economies in other countries. So it matters to us how everyone Weathers this storm.
0: Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the National Post, Asher Honickman and Ben Woodfinden argue Canada needs a new national policy. They write, Canada is fractured and divided, and the world outside our borders is changing rapidly. When our first prime minister introduced the national policy in the 1870s, its goal was to help build an economy for a new nation. What is called for today is something similar in spirit, a new economic vision designed to unite Canada and restore our competitiveness on the world stage. At National News Watch, Wayne Lyko argues the modern workplace as we know it will never be the same. Lyko writes, COVID-19 has meant a massive shift in the way people work tens of thousands of civil servants have responded by designing and delivering complex and unprecedented relief programs linked by powerful broadband networks from their home offices. Canada's sprint toward a hyperconnected world began long before COVID-19 impacted our daily life, but we may now have reached the tipping point for the digital transformation of our society. In the Montreal Gazette, Faux Niemi argues too little is being done about a rise in racism against Chinese Canadians. He writes, Asian people have gone public about being assaulted in public places and harassed in grocery stores. They are blamed and hated for COVID-19. Although the Prime Minister has repeatedly denounced it in speeches, tangible actions from his government remain to be seen. While acts of hate continue, we may be witnessing public indifference and inaction toward growing racial tension that undermines social cohesion and public safety in a time of a public health crisis. Now here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Parliamentary Budget Officer will release a report today on the Trudeau government's emergency rent relief program for small businesses. As CPAC's Martin Stringer tells us, it's a program which finally got underway
2: just this week to very mixed reviews. Mark, the multi-billion dollar program is called the Canada Emergency Commercial Rent Assistance Plan. It kicked off on Monday and is offered to commercial landlords who have to sign up for the program. They are then encouraged to give a 75% reduction to small businesses who have suffered losses during the COVID-19 crisis. The landlords are then compensated 50% by the federal and provincial governments. Commercial landlords take a hit of about 25% in rents, but they keep their tenants afloat. The small businesses get an overall reduction of 75% on their rent for the months of April, May and June. The problem is small businesses across the country are saying they are hearing from very few commercial landlords who are interested in signing up for the program. The Prime Minister and the Federal Government are encouraging landlords to take part because they are warning them if their small business tenants go out of business, well then they're going to end up with zero dollars in rent. The Canadian Federation of Independent Business, though, says the whole program would have been much simpler and more effective if the money had just flowed directly to the small businesses to help them directly pay for their rent. Parliamentary Budget Officer Yves Giroux today will produce his costing of the program, and he will no doubt also reflect on what happens if there are very few landlords who sign up to it. Obviously, the program is not going to cost much if it doesn't get off the ground. The next few weeks, Mark, will tell the story, and some people are wondering whether Ottawa might have to pivot and rethink the whole program.
0: Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister is expected to give his daily news briefing on the coronavirus crisis, and Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchette will hold a press conference in Ottawa. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, May 27th. Tune into CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day today for continuing coverage of the coronavirus crisis. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.